Newton's first law, Newton's first law says that things stay put. They don't change unless something from the outside acts on them. What makes hearts change? How do you change a human heart? Let's talk about that. Mark chapter 4, verses 2 to 20. And he, Jesus, was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone... Those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that, and he quotes Isaiah, they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand the parable? How then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a little while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. And these are the ones who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown... On good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. May God bless us through this, his holy word. Let's pray. Lord, bless us now to receive your word. May it be a light unto our path. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there was a older couple from the hills of Kentucky, the first time in the big city, and they went to a hotel, and the father went, they had their son there, the father went to check him in at the desk, and the mother and the son sat down in front of an elevator. They saw an old man shuffling along, he got on the elevator. About a minute later, the same elevator doors opened, and a young man walked out, dressed snappily, you know, handsome woman was amazed she turned to her son and said billy go get your dad (laughs) 
All right, so real change, I thought we needed a little levity today. Real change is a little bit more difficult, isn't it? What does it take to change the human heart? How does the human heart change? The answer is repentance. It's not obvious in this. And I think you're gonna see it all over the place once we dig into it. Repentance, that's willing to go down to go up. That's where we're going. Repentance is willing to dig in in order to rise. It, it knows, repentance knows that the way up is down. So first, repentance is willing to dig. It's willing to dig in. Not just to feel sorry about human nature, about the human condition, about the things that we, we do, about our misgivings, about our guilt. It's willing, it's willing to dig to the why. Not just to feel sorry, but to be sorry. It's willing to dig. Verse four, it says, there are seeds that fall on the path. So Jesus is talking about four different soils, right? Four different kinds of soil. There's the hard soil, and then there's the, the soil where the seed gets in, and there's a little bit shallow, and then a little bit deeper, but then, you know, and then there's the good soil. Well, this is the first soil, and it's the path, and it's, it's, it's well-trodden, so it's a hardened soil. And what's going on here is that Jesus is teaching within this context, the broader context of what John the Baptist started, which was to call people to repent and believe. Mark begins with repentance, right? Just a few short weeks ago, we, we covered this where John the Baptist, his baptism is all about repentance, a call to repent. And so the path, in this case, represents hardened hearts. And I think what's going on here is that sometimes repentance is not really repentance. It's something else that masquerades as repentance, where you feel sorry, but you're really feeling sorry for yourself, right? We're, we're, we're self-pitying. Self-pity can masquerade as repentance. You feel sorry, but not about the thing. You just feel sorry, and you're not happy about it. So you feel sorry about feeling sorry, right? You, you've been there, right? You've seen this. You, you can see this in children. You can see yourself in children, right? You can see it more clearly in a child, a pouting child, right? A pouting child is just sorry about being sorry. You know, they're caught. They don't like it. Or, you know, they recognize they did something wrong and they just feel so bad about themselves. You know, it's just like, oh, woe is me, woe is me. And it's like, all right, you're not really dealing with the thing. You're just dealing with how you feel about the thing, right? And, and, and this is what happens. Jesus interprets this part of the, the, the story, the path part of the story, later on in the passage. It, initially, it's an image of birds, but then Jesus interprets it as the evil one, as evil coming along, as Satan coming along, and taking it away, what's going on? You know, isn't it? Isn't there? Aren't there times when, 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 when you have done something wrong, but you're really looking for somebody to blame? Am I alone in this? Is is it just me that experienced it? You've done something. You made a mistake, and it's like, okay, who who out there is responsible for this? Right? All right. You know. Yeah, you're with me. I, I can tell. 
I can tell. You're not fessing up, but I can tell. And this is, this is sometimes what happens, and you see this out, especially today in our, in our culture today. There's this message that's being whispered, and it really is from the pit of hell. It really is evil, and it says, it's not your fault. You've been stepped on. You're a victim. You've been trodden upon. You picture that path. You picture that soil that's packed down right? People have walked on you. It's not your fault. Just feel sorry. Feel sorry for yourself. Now see, nothing changes when we just feel sorry for ourselves. That's not real repentance. Real repentance is willing to dig to the thing. In uh, 2 Corinthians 7, Paul says something so similar to this. I wonder if he had this this parable in mind. He says, even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Can you imagine getting that? You open this letter up, it's like, all right, my last letter probably made you feel bad. I don't regret that. (laughs) Though I did regret it, I see that my letter did hurt you, but only for a little while, yet now I'm happy. Not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended. And so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads, let me read that again. Godly sorrow leads to repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. This is a ministry of repentance, of being called to repentance. And in just a minute, you're going to see where there's a contrast between a sort of a shallow turning and a deep turning. But recognize that Jesus is teaching within the flow of this narrative where John the Baptist is calling people to repent and to believe the gospel. And Jesus is seeing a whole range of responses, a whole range of them. And he's using soil. You know, normally a parable has one point, one purpose. It's not an allegory. This is unique. This is Jesus' uh, sort of parade, his sort of uh, banner over all parables. And he's using this as an allegory to show different kinds of responses to the call to repent and believe. The first one being a masquerading. Not true repentance, but just self-pity. So, true repentance is willing to dig and dig deeper. So that's really the second step. When we look at these next two soils, now you have to sort of picture, we're digging, but we're digging, we're we're willing to dig, right? We're not just feeling a certain way, feeling bad or feeling guilty or recognizing human nature, recognizing our brokenness. It's not about how you feel. It's about what you're willing to do, what your will taking you to do, willing to dig, but dig deeper, dig deeply all the way down to the condition, to the sin under the sin, right? There's a thing you did, but why? Are you willing to dig in and find out why? What's the condition? What's the real need that I'm trying to meet on my own, right? It's not just that you did the thing or didn't do the thing, it's why, why? 
And it always goes to this sense of identity. I'm trying to defend myself. I'm trying to, and, and, and so Jesus is showing that there is a way of digging in that doesn't go deep enough. You see, these next two soils, the rock, the rocky soil, and the, the soil that has all the brambles, right? One is, is sort of, you know, initially there's, there's this uh, hearing of the gospel that, yeah, there's bad news and there's good news, but, and it's received with joy, right? Okay, we've named the problem, but there's a solution. It's received with joy, but then it, it's rocky, right? And you, you, what that represents is just sort of the expectations. Jesus is saying that, that that's the expectation. They go for a little bit, and then things don't change in their circumstances, and they fall away. Or, or their circumstances do change. Things go really well for them, and they get drawn away. They fall away because the rocks, bad circumstances, or they get drawn out, drawn away because their circumstances improve, and they, they begin to fall back into self-reliance, no longer dealing with themselves. See, Jesus is saying, now, and then it goes on, he says something really perplexing because he, he quotes Isaiah, seeing they won't see, hearing they won't hear. Is it that Jesus doesn't really want people to understand? Is that what he's saying? I mean, that's what it seems to be saying, that he, he's speaking in parables so that only select people can hear. Is that, is that what he's getting at? Does he want people not to believe? I mean, it's very, this is one of the hard sayings of Jesus. Actually, there's a book called The Hard Sayings of Jesus, and this one is in it. Does he quote Isaiah because he doesn't want certain people to believe? Here's what I think is going on here. What's happening is, and and you see this every now and then, where somebody is, is addicted to something, or somebody is in a, a pattern that's not good for them, or their behavior is, is, is not working for them, but everybody around them is making excuses. They're helping them not to feel bad, right? They're in there to fix their feelings. The way they're managing life, the way they're approaching life isn't working, and yet everybody around them is trying to make up for it rather than let them deal with their consequences rather than let them deal with the hard edge of their bad direction. And Jesus is saying, let people hit rock bottom. Let them hit it. Let them feel the cold edge of reality. Don't short circuit repentance. See, he he uses a word for turning here. He doesn't want them to, to turn in a way that's not fully repent. He doesn't use the normal word for repentance, the full, robust word for, for a full turning of the whole of life. It's just a, an outward turning. It, Greek is really amazing because you can, it's very technical and you can see that this word for turning is a lot more like, um, like a physical turning. It's usually used throughout the New Testament where somebody is just kind of turning their back or turning this way. But he's using it here, that word, not to represent repentance, but to sort of hint at repentance, sort of saying it's a kind of turning, it's a kind of change, but it doesn't go deep enough. It's only an outward change. It's just sort of an outside-in approach. It's just saying, I'm gonna try harder next time. 
it's not a real change of heart. And sometimes you have to let people hit rock bottom. They have to experience the hold, the cold, hard edge of their bad choices so that it really gets in, so that the, the truth really gets in. And that there's a real change, you see? A real change. Jesus can't be saying that. He doesn't want certain people not to believe. He wants certain people not to believe. Because there are places, even this same parable in Matthew, he is dumbfounded by their hardness of heart. He doesn't like it. He doesn't want people to have hard hearts. He wants to crack through that. And in 2 Peter, you know, uh, 3, 6 or 3, 9, it, it, it talks about that, that God wants everyone to come to a saving knowledge of the truth. So you have to read these things in the whole counsel of God. You have to say, there must be something going on here. It can't be saying what it seems to be saying at first. What's going on here? And then you, you read the parallel passage in Matthew, and then you start letting it soak a little bit. And you think, yeah, that must be what's going on. That Jesus is wanting people truly to turn. You know, it reminds me of this, this um, scene in Braveheart where Robert the Bruce is comparing himself to, to uh, William Wallace. And he's recognizing that, 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 there's, that when he calls men to battle, when he calls people to battle, that they're coming for a certain reason. But William Wallace has really got their heart, right? He says this, he says, men fight for me because if they do not, I throw them off the land and I starve their wives and children. Those men who bled the ground red at Falkirk fought for William Wallace and he fights for something that I've never had. I want to believe like he does. Jesus wants people to believe, to own it, to experience not just the hard edge of that reality, but as a result of recognizing human nature as a result of being broken, to begin to see the secret that the way down is up and the way up is down. See, repentance is willing to dig deeper, not just to the sin, not just to what it did, not just let's try harder next time, but why? Why did I do it? So that they may begin to see this last step. And that is the principle that the way down is up that if you wanna live more, you have to die a little. You have to die a little to live more. It's a principle. It's a principle you see throughout scripture. And Jesus calls it the secret. He says that, that repentance is really a secret. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, and that is that you don't belong to yourself. That, there's a, that, that, that your nature is broken, that you need a whole new start. You don't just need improvement. You don't just need a little help. You need to repent, you need to turn, you need a change of heart. Verse 20, he talks about the good soil. The good soil, <laughs> you know what, what makes good soil? What makes for good soil? This, this is something that people have responded to more than anything else I've said, and that is that your past is compost. Did you know that? Your past is compost. Anybody working on a compost pile right now? You know what it takes to, you know, you, you just sort of take, what, what would be the cast off, the throw away, the things that you want, you just want it to go in the trash can and go away and never think about it anymore. But what if it could become something rich, something for the next season, something that could produce and yield your, your garden this spring? Anybody ever compost? 
That's what makes good soil. That's what makes good soil. This is a principle. The way down is up. The way up is down. You have to die a little to live more. You have to die a little to live more. It's like Mike, Mike Mason in his book, The Mystery of Marriage, he talks about putting two lives together. He says, you know, you know two 30-year-old people, he was talking about himself getting married, two 30-year-old people are like, a, like densely populated cities. For something new to be built, for something new to be built, something old must come down. So Jesus is talking about new life, and so something old must come down. This is a principle I wanna tell you what, what, what's happening here. What Jesus is tapping into is, is this passage in Isaiah where, where, where the, the Israelites are not quite turning deeply enough. They're not really turning. They, they see their ways, they feel the consequences and they want God to bless them again. And so they're saying, okay, we'll try harder next time. And Jesus is saying, that doesn't go deep enough. There's a principle here that the way down is up. There's a principle here that you have to die a little to live more. There's a principle. And Jesus, by using this image, captures it. You know what it's like? It's like, did you know that um, the Lord of the Rings was written way before, the Lord of the Rings by Tolkien, right? It was written way before World War II. It was written long before Hiroshima and Nagasaki long before the bombs were dropped on those Japanese cities. But it came out, it was published and popularized after World War II. And you know that people read about the ring. They read about this power that was too great for anybody to hold on to. And people assumed something. They assumed that he was referring to the atom bomb. They assumed that they were, he was referring to, to, to uh, nuclear power. as a weapon. You know what Tolkien was tapping into? Through his image, through his metaphor, through his parable, he was tapping into something universal. You see, this is what Jesus is doing. He's tapping into something universal about human nature. You have to die a little to live more. And what happens when we do that? What's it look like? You know what it's like? It's like a friend who helps you name your fear. Really name it rather than just trying to make you feel better, right? So a friend brings, brings you a, a concern about somebody else, right? And they recognize, you know, this is really coming from your insecurity. This isn't about the other person. And they help you name your fear rather than just saying, oh, well, let's just help you feel better, right? And so often that's what we do. We preempt people's growth downward so that we, we end up robbing them of the ability to climb upward, to grow. You know what else it's like? It's like a child who, who, who finally musters the courage to say, yep, I messed up. I did it. I did that. Knowing that their failure is not final. You have to die a little to live more. To have the confidence to fail forward, you have to be willing to say, yep, I messed up. That's what it's like, this principle. It's like a father who says to his daughter, I know I've said some hurtful things during your childhood. And if you ever wanna tell me about what those are, I'm ready to listen. 
and I want to apologize for those. Let's get it out. Let's die a little to live more. It's like, it's like anyone who says, I'm sorry, right? <laughs> Isn't that hard? So these are small words, right? I am sorry. It's very small. These are very small words, right? But aren't they difficult to say? It's like, I try to say it like, I, it's like, I don't know, I've, I've said this before, but it's kind of like, uh, you remember, those of you who are old enough remember Happy Days and the Fonz trying to say this, like, I was, I was wrong. He's trying to say, I'm wrong. And he, every time he tries to, Fonz tries to say, I was wrong, he says, I was, right? It's kind of like you try to say, you're sorry. I'm it just, it just gets stuck in the back of your teeth, right? It makes you feel about an inch tall when you say you're sorry, doesn't it? It makes you feel so diminished. You feel so so small when you say you're sorry. But when someone says they're sorry to you, don't you see them growing taller in stature? Isn't that amazing? When you say it, you feel small. When they say it, don't you see and respect them? Don't you see them growing in stature? It's a principle. You gotta die a little to live more. Gotta die a little to live more. The way up is down. The way up is down. It's a principle. It's not something that we practice naturally. It's not something that comes naturally to us. It's something that has to sneak in the back door. This is why Jesus is, is, is teaching in parables. He wants them to think about it. He wants, to, he wants the people who really are willing to dig in to actually dig, to think about it, to, to look at the, to the principle in the parable and not just say, oh yes, mental check mark. I agree with that. Let's move on. I went to church, or I did the thing, right? I, I, uh, you know, I'm reinforcing my beliefs. Yeah, but are you really letting it get in, into the place where you're resistant, where the ground is still hard? It's a principle. It doesn't come naturally. It's something that we learn by reading the word. And what happens when you trust enough to repent and to dig down? Well, it's like this. Another passage from Isaiah, it says this. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth. What's the image here? He's talking about the word. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish that which I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. It's hard to say you're sorry. It's hard to have those conversations. It's hard to die a little, to live a lot. But when you trust that the principle is universal, that we're all working on this, then maybe you'll take a step. You'll have a little courage. You'll put yourself out there. You'll die a little to live a lot. Let's pray together. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, how we thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light 
unto our path. For each one of us today, Lord, I, I trust that through your Holy Spirit, you've been bringing to mind those things which are for us unfinished business. Well, would you shine the light on our path and give us a next step in Jesus' name, amen.